let's read together and out loud. I'm, we'll be reading from the NASB this morning. Uh, help me read together. Ready? Read. And said, The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Verse 5. Then I said, For I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord. Wow. Then I said, and if you're the type that likes to write in your Bible, you should write your name right there. Then I said, woe is me. Why? For I am ruined. Another version more appropriately says, I am undone. I am undone. Why? Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen who? For mine eyes have seen who? The king the Lord of hosts. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Help us this morning, Lord, to rightly divide um, the word of truth today. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me to preach and teach your word like you gave it to me. Give these your people an ear to hear, a heart to receive, and the grace to apply. Help us, Lord, I pray, as we sit at your feet. Feed us the bread of heaven until we want no more. Lastly, I pray that your people be edified and that your name above all things be glorified. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. We've been talking about worship and using the vision that Isaiah saw in Isaiah 6 as a foundation for what I believe is biblical worship. Today I want us to consider what Isaiah heard. I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. I believe that every move of God, and I use that term reluctantly because I don't believe necessarily that God moves the way we understand movement. God is God. He forever will be God. A lot of times, especially in charismatic and Pentecostal churches like ours, we have the a tendency to say there was a great move of God. Did God really move? If anybody is moving, is it really him or is it us moving towards? Is, is God really moving towards us or is it more us returning to him? I think it's probably the latter uh, we, we move towards him. We turn our hearts back towards him where they should always be. But for the lack of a better term, I believe that every move of God, if we could use that term, is accompanied by a sound. It's a sound that originates in heaven. Uh, I believe we see that uh, with David when the presence of God went before him over the mulberry trees. He said, the Lord told him, listen for the sound. In Acts chapter 1 and 2, there is a sound that is heard from heaven. And, and, and these writers are given definitions. They tried to describe it to the best of their ability. But there's always a sound accompanied. When God moves, there's a sound. Isaiah heard a sound. Get this. Isaiah sees a vision of the throne of God. He sees the burning ones, the seraphim. And not only does he see the throne of God, not only does he get a vision of Jesus. By the way, last week I told you John 14. I believe it was John 12. Uh, John said, Isaiah saw Christ. Isaiah saw Jesus before he was manifested. John himself said, this is what the prophet Isaiah saw. He saw Jesus in all of his glory. And so 
Isaiah gets a vision of Jesus sitting on the throne of God. He sees the seraphim, the burning ones, uh, watch it now, tending to the throne of God. With two wings they covered their eyes, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two wings they did fly. We talked about what he saw, but today I want to talk about what he heard. Because he heard the angels singing. He heard the angels worship. And what was it that they were saying? Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, and one cried unto another. Now, let me pause right here and say, after seeing the Lord, think about this. No man can see the Lord and live, but the angels in the presence of the Lord Jesus, the, the angels around the throne of God, watch it now, they, they, they cried out to one another. They didn't even have the wherewithal to say it to him, to his face. They said to one another, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy. One cried unto another. Everybody say, one cried unto another. And what did they say? And they said what? Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Notice they're not even directly addressing the Lord God here. But what are they doing when they say holy, holy, holy? What are they doing, abundant life? They're proclaiming the nature and the character of God. Don't miss this. When they say holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, they are proclaiming his glorious nature because his nature is just that. It is glorious. The nature of God is glorious. His character is holy, and this is what they do. They proclaim his nature and his character one to another in the presence of the Lord. And that tells us, put it up there, that true worship of God is always going to be centered around his character. This is how you know that somebody is worshiping around the throne. Watch it now, according to what the word of God displays openly. Worship of the Lord is always going to reflect, I feel his presence right now, it's always going to reflect reflect and display what his character and his nature well pastor what do you mean his character and nature ready this is how if there had to be a biblical summation if we had to arrive at a theological summation of his character and, and his essence how do you describe the essence of Jehovah how do you describe the essence of Elohim how do you describe the essence of the most high God here it is in one word ready he is holy hallelujah he's holy how do you describe, can you imagine, try to describe it. If I had to describe Brother Mo, I, it would take me time, right? I'd have to really gaze upon him. I'd have to say, well, his, his build is like this, or he's about that tall, and his hair is, is, is like this, and his ears, and I, well, well, I, I wasn't going to say it, brother, but you're outing yourself. He said he's balding. Okay, he's balding a little bit. But if I had to really describe, right, it would take me a moment to accurately depict to you if you could not see him. Think about the task of the prophet Isaiah. And not only the prophet Isaiah, but we're going to see how in the word of God, other men of God, other godly men also saw the Lord. And we're going to talk about what their reaction was too. But think about the task of having to define and describe what they saw. It's otherworldly. But the angels cried out, ready? Holy. And not just once, not just twice, but three times. And it's not because they like the sound of their voice. The Jewish custom, you understand the repetition was used to imply emphasis and great emphasis. Other scholars say that he cries holy. They cry holy three times to speak of the Godhead in perfect unity, Father, Son, and Spirit, like we sing in the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessing flows. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise Father, Son, and I'm missing a line, but you get the point. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He's holy. 
true worship of God, church, is always going to be centered around his character. And, and if you had to define his character, you only need one word. Ready? Holy. The holiness of God is the otherness of God. That word holy in Hebrew, you should know, it is the word kadosh. It is the word kadosh. And that word kadosh means sacred. His apartness. You see, God, watch it now, God is absolutely holy. That means that he created all things, but he is not, he is not bound, nor is he, nor is he uh, how do I say, nor is he um, contained by what he has created. He created all things, and yet he abides alone. Put it to me another way. He created all things, but if all things were to cease, God will remain. You see, he created it all, but he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily abide, nor is he sustained by anything that he himself has created. In other words, he's God all by himself. The day that you die, he continues being God. In the year that King Uzziah died, watch it now, the king of Israel is dead. you got to get this of the vision. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. The, the king of Israel is dead, but the God of Israel lives forever. Oh, I wish you'd get that in your heart today. The king of Israel is dead, but the God of Israel lives forevermore. Here's, here's what's amazing about God. You and I are not eternal. We have an expiration date, but God lives forever and ever and ever. True worship of God is going to be centered around his character. He's holy. Somebody shout, he's holy. He's holy. He's sacred. There is no attribute. Put it up there. There's no attribute so essential to God as this. He's holy. He's holy. Nothing more essential to God. You, you, you want to describe? Well, 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 describe God. He's holy. He, he, he is a part. I mean, it's his otherness. It's his holiness. It's his holiness that we worship. Now, what is it that the Lord is set apart from? He's set apart from his creation. He's, he's the Lord God. He's not creature. He is creator. He exists outside of it all. Psalm 29 and 9 NASB says, the voice of the Lord, watch what it says, the voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve and strips the forest bare, and in his temple everything says glory. Another version says, and in his temple everyone speaks of his glory. This is what should happen in his temple. Ready? Everyone should speak of what? Of his glory. It is a treacherous thing what we do. And I put myself in this category. I have to put myself in this category first, in front of you even. It is a treacherous thing that I do, that we do in Christendom today. When we become at any point, at any point in time, when we become the object or the center of attention in anything that transpires in the temple. In the temple, all, somebody shout all. In the temple, all should speak of one thing, same thing. What is that? Ready? Not the preacher, not the singers. They should all, we should all say what? He's holy. We should all speak of what? His glory. Not our glory, his glory. Somebody shout his glory. This is what we should all be talking about in church. Ready? His glory. We tend to talk about our glory. Not only our glory, our issues. And I know you have issues. But let me help you here. I'm not making less of you. I think it's an immature, it's an immature mindset. Not to be able to hear that or to take offense at that like, well, you're making less of me. I'm not making less of you. But do you want to know what happens when you get into the presence of God? 
You want to know what truly happens when you get into the glory of God? All of your problems. There's an old song that says, and the, and the cares and the things of this world, they grow, they grow faintly dim in the light of your glory and your grace. It says, turn your eyes, turn your eyes, fix your, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful glory. And you want to know what happened? The things of this world, they grow strangely dim in light of what? In light of his glory. I wish you'd hear me today. In light of his glory, everything else, what? Just, it just doesn't matter like it used to matter anymore. So I'm not making less of you, but you want to know what happens when you get into the glory of God? That's what happens. Less of you. Your, your problems, your issues, your pride, your infirmity, everything that troubles you, it begins to fade away. Like, we, like my mom used to love the song, In the Presence of Jehovah. She wanted to sing it every women's breakfast. In the presence, let's do In the Presence of Jehovah. And, and again, the next month, let's do In the Presence of Jehovah. And the women were probably tired of it, but my mama loved singing In the Presence of Jehovah. And here's what that simple song says Troubles vanish. Where? In the presence of Jehovah. When you find somebody who's constantly talking about themselves and how they feel and what they got going on, they need to get into the presence of Jehovah. The best consejo you can give to anybody, the best counsel you can give to anybody who's bogged down by burdens and troubles, you need to get into the presence of God. Your advice might be the best since Dr. Phil. But guess what? It won't ever, it won't ever, it won't ever satisfy the soul. Only the presence of God, only in the presence of God do our troubles vanish. Do they seem to fade away because we get a clear vision of his glory and in light of his glory it's all nothing. It's all, it's all dung. It's all filthy rags, Isaiah. Watch it. He heard them declare the nature, the character, the essence of the Godhead. Ready? He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. This is who God is. He is holy. Somebody shout, he's holy. He's holy. If you ever want to worship God, just, just, just have a holy session. Lord, you're holy. You're holy. You're holy. And when you want to say something else, slap yourself and say, no, he's holy. Is that a little strong? Slap myself. Yeah, sometimes you have to shake yourself out and say, no, he's holy. He's holy. He's holy. I'm hurting, but he's holy. He's holy. Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, watch it says, it says, And the four beasts, each of them had six wings about them. Even John saw it, and they were full of eyes within, and they rested not day and night. Get this, they didn't ever take a break. Can you imagine, Junior, you not being able to take a break? Huh? They didn't take a break day and night. Watch it now, day and night, day and night, day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. If we sang that every service, you ought to be all right with that. If all we sang was ready to sing, everybody, here we go. Again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Boy, we had a great song service. What should we sing today? Ready? I got a suggestion. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Look at verse 3, the B clause of the text. Now it says the whole earth is full of his glory. Now, the seraphim, they probably saw better than Isaiah could. The seraphim saw they were surrounding the throne of God, and they could see probably more than what the, the prophet Isaiah could see standing at the door pole. You want to know something? When I was preparing, the Spirit of God so gently said, Son, you need to understand that we're so blind. We are often so blind to the obvious glory of God around us. 
The seraphim saw, they were able to declare the whole earth is full of his glory. I wonder if God, what would happen if God would allow us to be more mindful of the glory that surrounds us on a daily basis. We tend to, we tend to relegate the presence and the glory of God to a church service. But what would happen if you began to hunger for that glory outside of the four walls of your church? What would happen if you desired the, the presence and the glory of God in your cubicle at work? What would happen if you honored his presence as you go about your day? We're so ignorant times of the glory of God that surrounds us. The Bible says not only do the heavens declare the glory of God, but all creation as well declares the glory of God. Today in the morning, I was here at the temple early and I was able, I was here so early that I was able to sit in my car outside of the sanctuary and I sat there and I watched the sun creep up over the mountains and I thought to myself, my God, if this sunrise, I feel the presence of the Lord here today and I don't know if I'm preaching to myself or what, but I could see the sun creeping over that mountain and I thought to myself, this is absolutely glorious. My camera cannot capture the glory of what my eyes behold. Can you imagine for a moment if a sunrise is glorious, what will it be that day when we see the glory of our God unveiled without a filter? What will it be? That's, think about that. that. He made that. He did that. He did that. It's his glory. I said, God, you're, you're, you're absolutely glorious. Verse 4, watch it now, we're almost done. And the post of the door, watch it. And so the seraphim, they're saying, holy, holy, holy. And the Bible says that the foundations of the doorpost, they were shaken. And the post of the door moved. They moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. The pastor David Guzik wrote the following, a great, great, great man of God, great pastor David Guzik wrote. He said, they sang so powerfully. They sang so powerfully that the doorposts were shaken. He said, shouldn't we sing with the same passion? Shouldn't we sing with the same heart, with the same intensity? And here's what got me. He wrote, do those angels have more to thank and praise God for than we do? Do they have more to thank God than we do? Man, What do you have to thank God for? Watch it now. It says, and the house was filled with smoke. Do you remember in Exodus chapter 13, what was there? There was, there, there, there was a pillar of cloud that represented the what? The presence of God. That cloud, that smoke, the smoke on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19. Not only that, but the glory, the Shekinah glory that filled the temple. We, we see it in 1 Kings chapter 8. The glory filled the temple and it was typified by a what? By a cloud or by smoke. Now, you have to know this. i got to say this because y'all are the 8 o'clock service. And if you're at church at 8 in the morning, then you can probably handle something a little more weighty. The smoke oftentimes refers to the anger of God. If that's too hard for you to embrace today, it's, it's the justice of God. So follow me. Isaiah sees the throne. He sees Jesus on that throne. They began to cry out, holy, 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 and smoke filled the temple. That smoke is a type of his anger or his judgment or his justice. Don't miss this. Right afterwards, Isaiah, this is what he heard, but after he describes what he heard, this is how he felt. When the judgment of God or when the justice of God, when the righteous or the holy indignation of God fills the room, this is what is going to be your reaction and mine. At least this is the appropriate response. Ready? When you and I are encountered with a holy God, a thrice holy God, and when his presence fills the temple, this, is, this should be what you feel. 
nothing else. Nothing else. Ready? Here it is. This is what he felt. Everybody say, this is what he felt. Okay, y'all are getting weak on me. I know we're almost done. Somebody say, this is what he felt. That's a little better. Okay. Now, how many of you have ever, ever, let's use the word, how many of you ever felt the presence of God? He's here today. You've never felt the presence of God? You should all say, I have felt the presence of the Lord before. Yes, I have. Now, we live in a day and age where people, us included, we want to feel good. Who likes to feel good? Everybody. That's why you take medication to feel good. Think about this. Drug addiction is just a perversion. Drug addiction is an illusion. Medication that we take, it doesn't remove the pain. It kills your sensory. You take a pill and like, oh, I feel so much better. Wrong. You don't feel better at all. What it does is it releases something in your brain that kills the message the pain's still there. That's what's dangerous about numbing that pain so much is because you're not addressing the issue. I, take, I used to love Excedrin. and Excedrin was my friend. I'll pop Excedrin. I feel like a champ right away. But I wasn't addressing the reason why I was getting those headaches. I'm not here to talk about pharmaceuticals. This is what we do. This is what we try to do in light of the absence of God's presence in our life. When the presence of God is missing from your life, you're going to try to medicate yourself and replace the pain with something else. Here's, here, here's, here's what you need to know. Nothing can heal your soul other than the only the glory and the presence of the, of, of the Lord will heal that sin-sick soul of yours. And you can keep trying to medicate with relationships. You can keep trying to medicate with money. Anything that you think is going to satisfy, it's temporary relief. It will never cleanse your soul. Only the presence of Jehovah can do that. Oh, if you're going to give God praise and give him praise this morning, it's only the presence of God. If you leave this service telling everybody you know that comes to talk about their body, man, you need to get in the presence of God, then, then I've done well. Tell them to stop running everywhere else. Get into the presence of God. Just, just confront them right there. When was the last time you were truly in the presence of the Lord? See what they say. That's the answer. But what did Isaiah feel? Now, what I, what I wanted to say is this. We live in a feel-good time. People want to feel good, right? Now, the presence of God... Or the smoke of God, his justice. This is, what, this is what it's going to provoke in you. Ready? Woe is me. Woe is me, for I am what? I am undone. I, I don't like the term in NASB. King James says, I'm undone. Somebody shout, I'm undone. I'm un Somebody say, I am undone. I'm undone. Because I'm a man of what? I'm a man of unclean lips. This is what should happen when you're in the presence of God. When you're in the presence of Jehovah, you shouldn't talk about how great you are. Nobody talks, nobody boasts in the presence of a holy God about how great they are. Nobody. If they're talking about how great they are in the presence of Jehovah, that's not the presence of Jehovah. It's another spirit. Woo! I'm going to get in trouble today. If you leave a church service talking about how great you are, that wasn't the presence of Jehovah. If you leave church talking about how great he is, you might just have been in the presence of Jehovah. That's what his presence does. He says, whoa, am I? That tells us, watch it now. That tells us that true worship of God is always going to bring clarity to your condition. <laughs> true worship of God brings clarity of our condition. Here it is. Ready? Whoa. 
Whoa! Whoa am I? Whoa! We don't use that term anymore. We use it to say, whoa, like, whoa, slow down, whoa. No, Isaiah says, whoa, I'm undone. I'm messed up. I'm broken. In light of his perfection, I realize how broken I am. In light of his holiness, I realize how unholy I am. True worship is always going to bring clarity of our condition. In other words, when you begin to worship God truly, he's going to make you vividly aware. The more you see him, the clearer the vision is of Jesus, the more you ought to feel, my God, I need you now more than ever. You see, here's the thing about your relationship with the Lord. When you begin to truly worship him in the beauty of his holiness... What's going to happen is you're going to become more cognizant, more aware of your need of him. You don't ever grow more more independent from God. You grow all the more dependent on the Lord. The more you, to know him is to know how much you need him. You're not hearing me. To know him is to know how much you need him. And the, the longer you serve the Lord, you ought to say, man, I thought I knew him 10 years ago, but the closer I get, the more I realize I need him. I thought I needed him then, but now I know I need him all the more because to know him is to recognize my need for him. Clarity of our condition. If you think you're okay without his presence, you are not okay. You need to get into the presence of God. And when you get into the presence of God, here's what you should feel. Ready? Woe am I. I'm unclean. My lips are unclean. And not only that, but you'll look around and say, and I'm I'm around a people of unclean lips too. See, Isaiah wasn't afraid to say, my lips are unclean. And everybody up in here, we're all in the same condition. Clarity. People that think they're all in a bag of potato chips, they they, they need the presence of God. It's not that God is in the business of stomping you down. No, that's not the point. But the point is, in light of his holiness, in light of his holiness... Who can truly, and if that's offensive to you, my friend, you need to be introduced to the Savior. If that's offensive to you, then you've been taught a false gospel. If that's offensive to you, then you've never truly been, uh, been, 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 been helped to understand what, 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 what the Bible teaches about this, this worship, this issue of worship. He's holy, he's holy, he's holy, and his presence is going to reveal your need of his glory. Not how great you are, how great he is. You should never sing, how great I am, how great I am. But a lot of churches, that's what's going on. And it's disguised as praise and worship. Unto who? I've attended praise and worship services where not one word is said about Jesus, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They're all missing. It's all right that you get quiet. If I'm not made aware of my true condition, have I truly been in the presence of a holy God? If I'm not saying, woe am I, every man of God, every man of God that experienced the glory and the presence of God had the same reaction. Job had the same reaction. Write it down. I'm out of time. Job chapter 42, he said, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eyes have seen thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself. Give me your attention. Job said, I abhor myself. And I repent in dust and ashes. That was Job's reaction to the glory and the presence of God. And not only Job, but Daniel saw the glory of God in Daniel chapter 10. And he said, when he had spoken these words to me, I sent my face towards the ground and I became dumb. He said, and behold, one like the, like, like, the, like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips. And I opened my mouth and I spake and I said unto him that stood before me, Oh my Lord, this vision, by the vision my sorrows are turned upon me and I have no strength in me. That's what Daniel said. 
Peter saw that glory, that same glory of Jesus. And when Simon Peter, Luke chapter 5, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and he said, depart from me, what, ready? Because I am a what? I am a sinful man. Well, give me another one. John, in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, John said, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man. And he laid his right hand on me, saying unto me, Fear not, because I'm the first and the last. Okay. So if Job, if, if, if Job said, I, I, I repent in dust and ashes, I hate my, I abhor, I can't stand myself in your, I can't stand. Now, it's not that he suffers from low self-esteem. It's just that he truly esteemed the Lord rightly. When you esteem him rightly, what it's going to do is you're going to sound eerily similar to Job, to Daniel, to Peter, and to John. That's what God's presence does. It shows us who we are in light of his holiness, not not, not that you might walk out of here with, 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 with a deflative sense of self, but more like an accurate depiction of how much you need him. I pray the longer you serve Jesus, the more you realize how much you need him. We tend to get uppity and think that we learned some things, we know some things, and we don't need him like we used to. I need him now today than I've ever needed him before. I'm undone. Somebody say, I am undone. Guess what, church? I am undone is not a bad place to be. I wanted to share that with you. I am undone is not a bad place to be. So here's the application. God will never do anything with us. Understand this today. God will never do anything with us till he's first undone us. And some of you, guess what? Strike that. All of us are here. Ready? He's undoing you. What can God do with you until he's undone you? What can he do with you until you're absolutely broken in his hands? God does great things with broken pieces. Not only does he put us back together, but he does it for his own glory. Somebody shout hallelujah. So somebody say, Lord, I'm undone. Lord, I'm undone. And that's okay. That's a good place to be. Undone is a great place to be. So here's the exhortation as you go home, Junior, come. Here's the exhortation. Worship God in the beauty of his holiness because this is the essence of his, of his nature. This is his character. He's holy, holy, holy. Worship God in the beauty of that holiness and recognize your great need in light of his great glory. Glory should always reveal to you your need of him. That's what it should do. That's what it will do. Every time. If it doesn't make you hungry, if it doesn't make you needy, it wasn't his glory. Please hear your pastor. If it doesn't make you hungry, if it doesn't make you needy, it wasn't his glory. If you leave a worship service, quote unquote, feeling puffed up, that wasn't his glory. And don't be afraid of walking away saying, I'm undone. I think this generation, we fear that. We're afraid. I, 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 let's be honest. Who likes to be broken down like that? It's a place of vulnerability. We, don't, we, we tend to run from that, right? We tend to run towards strength, power. But brokenness, we tend to avoid that. I don't, want to, I don't want anybody to know I'm hurting, I'm struggling. But God already knows. I'm going to challenge you with a thought, a little bit off subject. You think that you've been wrestling your enemy since you gave your life to Jesus. You really think that you're wrestling the devil in some way. Let me challenge your thought. I submit to you this morning that you wrestle with God. 
much more than you'll ever wrestle with your enemy. What? Yeah. And Jacob, <laughs> and Jacob what? Wrestled with. Now, please understand, I don't mean wrestling like, oh, I'm going to win. No, you ain't going to win this thing. But boy, let me tell you who, who do you, who do you think is trying to get you to this place of brokenness? You think the enemy? You think you're wrestling against your enemy? Your greatest struggle is not going to be against that adversary. I know, I know this is hard for us, right? You don't have to accept it. But your greatest enemy looks you back in the face every morning. Y'all, y'all can't, I can't get an amen out of y'all today. I'm trying to squeeze you like a lemon. Your greatest enemy is looking back at you in the, in the mirror every morning. Wrestling with the devil? Stop that. It's more like you're wrestling with God because God's trying to bring you to a place of worship and brokenness. And you're resisting that. So it's hard for us to sing. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Be careful before you sing, mold me and make me. Everybody stand.